VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to the last Dunked On of the week here. Big show uh, yesterday on Dunked On Prime. Uh, we discussed three of the teams in the Pacific Division. Phoenix sacramento and the la clippers still have the lakers and warriors to go we will talk about them as the trade deadline approacheth let's begin though with what's come down the pike here on news i think we should start in memphis with the reporting that marcus smart is going to be sidelined for about six weeks due to an issue with his right ring finger this you know you can't say that this is you know because of job morant or anything like that but it is an indication of how when you know when a season can kind of go sideways it can continue to propel in that direction. And so now two of Memphis's main creators are out for an extended period of time. Jaw, of course, out for the year. Marcus Smart now. So if we're looking at six weeks, that's after the All-Star break. That's, you know, we're after the trade deadline. And so Memphis has struggled in the non-Jaw games, and now they're going to struggle probably in the non-Jaw, non-Smart games. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen when they've tried to play Derrick Rose that he is generally going to get injured after a a short amount of time, even though he's had some moments where he's been effective this year. So yeah, Memphis is really going through it right now. They are expecting to get Jared Jackson back, but of course they've still got Clark and Steven Adams out uh, as well. So yeah, you talked about the other day after Ja went down, the idea that they could be the sixth seed in the lottery, and this certainly seems to be turbocharging them in that direction. It does, and we'll have to see whether teams like Portland could jump up. Of course, Portland got absolutely shellacked by the Oklahoma City Thunder today, so we'll have to we'll have to see on that front. Yeah. One final score. And the other piece of Memphis news, I can't remember if we discussed this yesterday. Vince Williams elevated from a two-way to a full NBA contract and not just a, you know, finish out the year type of deal. It is this season and then two more and then a team option. So up to four years, depending on how those decisions go. And Williams, for his part, got, you know, he got some real money in this. So it's, I mean, good for him to get the multi-year commitment we don't know for sure i haven't seen anything definitive that the non-option years are fully guaranteed but it it, you know he's probably getting at least one maybe two full full years out of it yeah and what's been a lost season in memphis he's maybe been the best story outside of desmond bain as a guy who can defend and hit some shots and they are desperately going to need contributors like him uh, who are making under five million dollars per year to be in their rotation particularly because they've whiffed uh, on some of their recent draft picks and of course they waived bismack biombo remember biombo had signed that non-guaranteed contract for five million dollars over the course of the season a a few weeks into the season and he was in their rotation at this point though with John Morant done with Marcus Smart done holding on to Biombo doesn't really make a ton of sense you'd rather see what you have and some of the other guys so it makes sense to move on 
from him and he got paid handsomely at that rate much more than what the veterans minimum would have been over this time period the grizzlies still do have some spending power should they want to use it and i i'm expecting what they might do because the grizzlies still have most if not all of their um no they have most of their middle-level exceptions still available. And then they technically also have a disabled player exception, which they could use to sign somebody or trade for somebody and a trade exception from the Dylan Brooks deal, which they could also roll over to next year. But they're only about $8.5 below the tax, so I wouldn't expect anything big. What they might do with some of that is get a player at the very end of the season and maybe pay him a little extra, and then you can get some sort of team-friendly thing after that. We've seen various franchises do that in the recent past. The Heaters most prominent in my mind but they're definitely not the only one in a continuing curiosity the knicks requested a disabled player exception on mitchell robinson which directly ran against the timeline that had been widely reported for mitchell robinson at the time generally speaking these applications get accepted but there aren't usually that many marginal situations and in this case the nba presumably the physician in question denied the application and based on the rules of it and based on the reporting this isn't really a surprise i mean the the idea is that they're more likely than not out until june 15th which is significantly later than like the end of the season and this wasn't even considered a season-ending injury adding to the curiosity of this is that when asked about it tom thibodeau basically said said talk to Leon Rose and Leon Rose doesn't talk to anybody other than the other than like people who are employed by the New York Knicks so it never made sense and the only thing that makes sense is this outcome based on the reporting yeah it was it's very and remember there was just reporting around the Knicks there was never any kind of official announcement related to Robinson but there was the statement that they're going to tr- apply for the disabled player exception they don't get it and oh coincidentally the same day we find out they don't get it oh now there's optimism he could return what a surprise to me i this seems like it's just the knicks kind of being annoying to the league and just seeing what they could get away with and you know maybe it ties in with some of their dissatisfaction with the league <laughs> perhaps but it just the idea that you've had these like wild swings like i'm sorry was there like some like when did he have the surgery like two weeks ago like you probably maybe the the surgery was like he didn't have to do as much during the surgery as they thought or something but it just it seems very unlikely that there's any actual change in what the doctors are telling them over this time period it's just following the yo-yoing of whether they're going to get the disabled player exception or not the other piece of nonsense in this is the Knicks probably weren't going to use it anyway because they're hard capped they're they're about four and a half million below the tax or below the um below the tax and technically the hard caps at the apron not at the tax but they also still have trade exceptions at roughly the same number and trade exceptions are more flexible unless you were signing a Bismack Biombo-esque free agent you know like the the because they still have the minimum of course and everything else like that so I wouldn't have expected them to use it in the first place. It was an unnecessary luxury, but whatever. Now it's now it is a story that can go in the rearview mirror. Kawhi Leonard said in availability that he personally, not like a a statement of statement of fact, that he expects Paul George and James Harden to stay with the Clippers. He, of course, made that, I would argue, more likely with agreeing to his extension and doing so early. But 
it is a you know it is a statement of somebody who has a better better understanding of the players involved state of mind than we do no i think that's right but of course uh, it will be incumbent upon a, a financial agreement between the clippers and james harden and paul george i think harden will be the more difficult one particularly after we find out what happens in the playoffs paul george i would expect the, the extension to get done in relatively short order you know maybe not before the deadline but maybe shortly after that would be my guess and but Harden, he cannot be extended. And so we'll go into the offseason and there may be no one else who wants him. And maybe he craps about in the playoffs again, or maybe he's good. Like there's still a lot of water under the bridge still to come here for James Harden and the Clippers. And certainly his situation in Philly changed several times as well. Let's talk about Golden State here first. I mean, they just suffered these two embarrassing home losses. It was bad enough because we make the joke all the time of like, well, is this the worst loss of the Warriors season? And we always would say that when they would have a big lead, blow it and lose. Well, it's probably a worse loss when you never lead and you trail by 30 in like back-to-back games (laughs) against you know, two teams that are good, but that, you know, I think Golden State, you know, in theory should be quite competitive with uh, at home. And, you know, Chris Paul going down, while I think there may have been a feeling that he wasn't playing that well this year, and certainly he was not very efficient for the field. I actually thought he was starting to shoot the ball better before he got hurt, but he actually is like still a winning player. He's communicative. Like their, their defense, their transition defense has been so bad because they're just not communicating defensively. They don't have Draymond either. Steve Kerr has called them a quiet team. And Steph Curry, when asked about the possibility of maybe some changes being made, he's like, well, isn't insanity when you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results? I actually never cared for that phrase personally. <laughs> like there's there's a uh, process over results actually is like, no, not that their process particularly has been good, but a lot of the things we talk about are actually like, yeah, actually, maybe you should just keep doing the same thing. And like, you know, the shots will start falling or opponents won't shoot 40% from three over the course of a month. So like, like there, there actually are, I, I've never cared for that phrase personally, but uh, in this case, it seems pretty clear, Danny, that if they want to be in playoff contention this year for like a top six seed, uh, maybe even a top eight seed going into the play-in, that changes will need to be made. Um, it, would you agree with that assessment? And then we can talk about whether it's worth making those changes to reach that type of a goal anyway. I attended both the narrow victory over the Detroit Pistons, talked about that a little in the 1560, and the demolition at the hands of the New Orleans Pelicans, where the Pelicans, to me, the biggest takeaway from that game was that their length and athleticism just was overwhelming for the Warriors. And and that is something that ties in with this team. They're not they're not always the most athletic. And even in their best years, that wasn't their competitive strength relative to some others. And some of that is also like one of their most athletic players, Andrew Wiggins, isn't starting and is having this brutal year. And then Kaminga starting in place of Draymond, so they don't even have some of their smartest players. And Chris Paul is currently out. So if we're kind of calibrating it on on team quality, yes, I would say that's completely fair. On the season, the Warriors are barely below water. They're at negative 0.2 net rating. But a negative 0.2 net rating is actually 19th in the league right now. And that, you know, when you think about how bad the bottom of the league is and a few other things like that's that's notable. And what I, I use this phrase all the time, but I think the Warriors are one of the most salient examples in modern vintage, which is defining success. 
And the question that I keep coming back to, and like I haven't written about the Warriors recently, I've talked about them a little bit in a few other spaces, is what do they want? Because it's really hard to like win a championship from the seed that they're likely to get, even if they have a stronger close to the season. We know Chris Paul's out for a while and everything else. So if it's winning a championship, like I think for this season, that door is probably closed. Not definitely, but probably overwhelmingly likely so. If it's staying relevant beyond this year, that's something. If it's maybe it's more of a glide path where you are competitive while Steph Curry is there, but you're not, you know, gunning for a championship. And the challenge for Mike Dunleavy, Joe Lakeup and company is that all of those different paths lend themselves to different decisions right now. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, Steph Curry was awesome in the first probably month and a half of the season, maybe even two months of the season. He's really struggling right now. He was on, on pace for his worst PER since his second year in the league. His true shooting percentage was crazy to begin with, but it's dropping like a stone now. And by contrast, the rest of the league is rising quite a bit. He's really slipped defensively also. And overall like the way that he's being defended isn't opening things up as much for others uh, as much as it used to either so i mean that's as much as you might say oh well Steph isn't the problem here right like uh, he's like uh, he's the only one on this team playing well i would argue that now in the aggregate he is playing below his usual standards uh he's been healthier than he, he normally is right i mean that's the other thing is like he's played almost all these games well and wait can i make a quick interjection there of I, I think that 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 is such an important point to make not the health is too but it has become abundantly clear that the warriors need stephen curry to play at the level he was earlier this season in order to be competitive against competent team like that is just that is necessary now they are they do have a tougher goal of it with Draymond Green currently out he could be coming back at some point soon Chris Paul out because they don't really have a third string point guard it'll be presumably they'll have some Corey Joseph they actually played some Pajemski running the show in the Pelicans loss but especially when in the aggregate Andrew Wiggins clearly Clay Thompson at times have been below their standards it takes Steph Curry going supernova for them to be in it yeah so I, I so much of the attention for the Warriors has been on all right Clay Thompson and, and the most of our attention quite frankly Clay Thompson hasn't been at the level that he needs to be most of the, the season. I mean, he actually, the last month or so, he's had, he's probably been about where he was at times last year. Like, it, I don't know that his offense has been the problem. He's not as good as he used to be. He can't do anything off the dribble anymore whatsoever the, the way he used to be able to. He's not as, as adept as a cutter anymore either. You know, just overall athleticism. You know, I think he had like his first dunk of the season, but he's got like one dunk this year. But yeah, you know, 34, not, not a huge surprise. Even if before you talk about the injuries just the level of player that he was when he was 29 or 30 this is a reasonable amount of a decline what you would expect by the time he gets to be age 34 and draymond i'm probably at the closest of the remaining guys to the level that he's needed to be at this year but of course he has all the stuff where they don't really want to count on him anymore wiggins has been a complete disaster looney has been a disaster uh particularly on offense i think he slipped defensively too to where he's not the same deterrent at the rim not the same quickness so all those guys falling off i still think that the guys coming off the bench have been kind of good enough but so all right we, we i think no one is going to argue that all of those guys haven't been playing well enough. The question then becomes with Steph Curry, where he is, you know, is he still capable of being the best player on a t championship team? I mean, 
Maybe, maybe. Oh, you can, know, can I do it? Yeah. I hadn't looked at the splits. Here are the splits. Okay. So Curry in November, because October was a short month, 65% true shooting. December, 58, 58%. January, only five games, 56%. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, but he's just started having like some like awful games too. True. And, and I think, frankly, he's probably getting worn down. Uh, this is, he's going to turn 36 in uh i think april right before the playoffs yeah march okay march yeah so he we haven't really seen a guy at age 36 play at a top five player level throughout a playoffs lead a team to a championship certainly not in modern times like he's still playing exceedingly well the fact that he's still this good that he still has the flash he has is amazing but is it like you know even if you just say hey we're gonna make a trade and we could bring in you know pascal siakam level of player i don't think that that gets the warriors there like i'm not i mean maybe there's a possibility like i i have generally been one of the higher people on stuff it's taken me a while to get to the point where i'm like okay i don't believe he really absolutely for sure is that guy who can lead a team to a championship but uh, i think i'm if you ask me yes or no like yes there's a possibility is it particularly likely i would say no at this point and so that to me even more so than all these other guys really struggling is maybe more important and and we're spending so much time talking about the warriors here because they're in a fascinating situation and they've been so good for so long and all these personalities that we know but we you have to kind of figure out where everyone is realistically before you decide what to do man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that hundred night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us 
Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing, like their premium Slub Crew tee, the No BS High Rise Pant, the Slim Roughneck Pant, featured in Giant Magazine, issue two. Every American Giant piece is made in America and designed to last no exceptions, and it provides year-round comfort. So find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use that finisher code CAPSPACE at checkout. You remember, we talk about CAPSPACE all the time here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know you came from us. Let's put some other context in the discussion of what kind of what the Warriors have if they wanted to be a buyer. So the Warriors owe their pick this year was originally sent to Memphis in the Iguodala salary dump. Um, and then so it's top four protected this year, then only top one protected in 25, unprotected 26. So there is definitely there there they could do first allowable draft language. The expectation is that that pick will convey this year. Not a guarantee, but yeah. pretty likely. Portland now has that pick, by the way. Portland now has that pick. It went in the Holiday Porzingis deal. Marcus Smart trade, and then it went in the um, Drew Holiday deal. Yes. Um, and so so that pick is out there. Then the Warriors also in the Jordan Poole trade included a heavily protected pick in 2030, which so basically if, if that pick is in the top 20, then they keep it and there's no further obligation after that year. So if the Warriors wanted to include firsts using first allowable draft language, they could get to I think they could definitely do two and maybe they could get I, I think it'd probably just be two. They don't have any extras from anyone else. So from a pick perspective, I think you could use that as the like the most they yeah. could do. I mean, you could even do three. Like you could just say, hey, we'll give you the top 20 of that 2030 if you True. wanted to. Yeah, because that's not stepping in. That yeah. wouldn't be a stepping yeah. issue. They, yeah, they've got swaps now. I mean, I, I don't think anyone it's top four, then top one, then unprotected that 2024 first that they owe. I think most actors who would be receiving picks from them would make the assumption that that's going to go this year and then in terms of matching salary well oh, i guess in terms of sweeteners first you know jonathan kaminga 21 years old makes six million moses moody now out with a calf injury he's also 21 years old he's making 3.9 this year pajemski really good pick making 3.3 he's 21 also so all three of those guys basically are 21 and then trace jackson davis is 24 already you know kind of more of a, a backup center and then in terms of matching salary if they do decide to make a move they will be trying to move wiggins you would think uh who actually only makes 24 this year uh but has well uh underplayed that 
whoever they're dealing with would probably want Chris Paul because his salary is entirely non-guaranteed next year. He makes 30 this year. So that's that's kind of the lay of the land uh, that they have. Clay Thompson, if you're talking about trading him, he makes 43 million this season. Oh boy. Yeah. And they also have Gary Payton making nine and Kevon Looney making eight. So to go back to the Pascal Siakam idea, another for me vital consideration for the Warriors from the top on down is spending in both the present and the future. So if you're bringing in Pascal Siakam, whatever the outgoing salary is, he's going to be paid significantly moving forward. The Warriors would not do that for him as a rental. And Curry's making 55 million for next year. Draymond's making 26, sorry, 24. Wiggins is at 26, though he could potentially be moved in a deal like that. And Clay Thompson, TBD. And so for me, one of the other, I brought up the idea of like defining success is how do the Warriors want to handle the future financially? And when the trade happened, you and I fixated and disagreed on the role of Chris Paul in this. And the idea, you you talked about the idea that he could be the next D'Angelo Russell. He's a salary spot to add in somebody else. A, completely true. That was a completely valid interpretation. And I argued that that is a valid interpretation. But what I felt was more likely, and I still do, is that it was a mechanism for the Warriors to actually really bring down their salary. And the trade deadline will be the basically the definitive indication on that because Chris Paul's contract is structured as a non-guarantee rather than a team option. So I think if he's still on the Warriors at that point, my assumption will be that they will decline, that they will re- release him at the end of the season. Yeah, or he could be trade fodder then as well. And you know, Clay Thompson, he's playing himself into a big discount off of that forty-three million sure. as well. But it seems very clear. And Kavon Looney is three million guaranteed for next year, makes eight. You know, that's the way he's playing. They may even consider moving on from him at this point. And as of right now, let's say they move on from Chris Paul. Gary Payton the second almost certainly gonna opt into his nine point one million dollar player option. So no clay. They're five million over the cap right now or so. Uh call it about three million actually. And then t- below the second apron, they would have forty-five million dollars available and basically the nine players under contract. So that's that just shows you it's basically about what you have depending on some other moves that might be made, between forty and fifty million to stay below the second apron, which a lot of reporting has indicated that they really want to do so they don't get their draft pick frozen and because they'll just get absolutely hammered by the repeater tax. And I'm guessing that the way that they've played so far this year hasn't exactly increased the appetite to pay a shitload of luxury tax. And I mean, quite frankly, so, so that gets us back to this idea of Stephen Curry, right? Like what is the next three years is two years after this one i guess under contract what are those two years supposed to look like what does it look like after that if he he plays longer which i'm sure he could and still be effective even if he's not a leading man yeah what is what does that look like is it just kind of dirk Nowitzki, kobe bryant like stuff that i expect him to be he's already better than those guys were at his age and you know i expect him to continue to be but the team around him is kind of fading they have more assets i would say going forward than the lakers and mavs did in those years so whether whether it's young players maybe maturing into like solid role players or making a trade but you're really kind of like man if we're talking about players who could really win you a championship clay thompson we talked about his the fit issues that he's causing weakens i mean maybe you hope that he can just turn it around but unfortunately 
And he's been way worse than he ever was in Minnesota, but 2022 is certainly looking like quite the outlier in his career in terms of his defensive impact in particular. So like, like, what is that going to be? Is it really, if you want to say, hey, maybe we could like, you know, build a mid-tier West playoff team. I think that's realistic. If you wanted to make some moves, sure. Is that worth continuing to be really expensive? Is that worth throwing in more future picks? Do you owe that to Stephen Curry? I mean, these are all just massive questions that, I, I mean, if you, what would just be your general approach at this point with this team and, and where they are? The biggest disagreement that I have with some of the commentary that has been out there on the Warriors relates to Andrew Wiggins. And there's this idea of like, oh, he's having this bad year, which yes, correct. He is that you have to move him now. And it's like, I I disagree. I, I think that he's on a reasonable contract. It's hard to imagine him playing worse. And so that means you're theoretically making a move at the nadir of his value. But there's a bigger issue, which is if you trade Andrew Wiggins, you're going to need another player who does the things that he does when he's better. And they're really hard to find. You know, there's the like, oh, you can't trade, you know, you can't trade for a wing, you know, most of these circumstances. And the other challenge is something that the Warriors have dealt with a lot over the years, which is if Draymond Green is closing at the five, then there aren't as many positional groups that are as clear to like to, to focus on. So like if you're going to you don't want to necessarily trade Wiggins for a five because then you're going to a different concept. Maybe it's worth it. Go to something else. But the other big one and the Warriors, you know, we've talked about Clay Thompson's deficiencies, and I think that Wiggins would be the solve here, but he hasn't been, is their point of attack defense. And Clay Thompson transitioning from defending ones and twos to defending threes and fours meant that a lot more was put on Gary Payton's shoulders, theoretically, maybe Chris Paul, but he's not that guy now. GP's been hurt. And also, like, he's not necessarily part of the starting or closing lineups in each situation. So if you're going to trade Wiggins for somebody who's a point of attack defender, then that person's probably going to be smaller. And how's that going to work? And so I think that it's it's unpalatable to an extent, but keeping this team together is actually more logical than something. Yeah, I mean, Wiggins has been awful, obviously, and he's killing them. And like, it makes sense that he's not in the starting lineup anymore. They kind of tried this thing of playing him and community together. I mean, there's just the fact that Wiggins has been so bad. I mean, he's just basically career lows and like, every possible statistical category so you might argue hey maybe he's a little bit less toxic to move now we could get off of this salary we're limited if we're going to be below the second apron for a couple of years I mean, they'll still be in the repeater tax but at least that won't be as bad if they're below the second apron uh, by the yeah. way by the way i think there's a, a reasonably clear path if they wanted to for the warriors to avoid the tax entirely in 24 25 okay so, I mean, I agree. Is there a greater chance that he would increase his trade value or decrease it? He's playing so badly, you might say, like, is he going to turn that around? He probably decreases it. But do you really want to just like pay to get off of him? Is that what your approach is going to be? Is, is there a team that would take him? I mean, yeah, if there's a team that would just be like, hey, we'll let you trade Andrew Wiggins for an expiring contract right now. I would probably just do that and say, hey, like I would rather have $26 million in flexibility than Andrew Wiggins on my team right now. I mean, he's gonna he's about to turn 29 too, right? So, and he's not exactly known as a workout warrior. So, you know, if he were 26, you could maybe chalk it up uh, to, you know, just the the fact that he, he had these personal problems and stuff, but I I think, you know, the fact that his athleticism has declined in addition to his effort level and his confidence and all that. Uh I, I do think I 
I don't expect him to turn it around, but I also am like, yeah, you know, maybe he can at least with the cap going up, at least get like close to being worth that or, but he still has three more years left on that deal. So I, I don't know how I would, I would approach him. Surely if I were trying to get a big talent, he'd be the guy I wanted to send out his matching salary. But I, I see your point of just like, Hey, you need a player like Andrew Wiggins. It's just, God, he's been so bad. It's like, it's completely inexplicable. Totally fair. So yeah, I, I just, I don't know what to do. And sometimes I think with most of these teams, I feel like, yeah, there's a clear path. I know what, how I would approach this. I'm kind of in your boat of just like, this is such a weird year. Like, you know, not having Draymond is really, has really killed them also. You know, he's 34 as well. Like they don't want to be in a position where they're like, quote unquote, counting on Draymond. But it's just like, you know, if you go get Pascal Siakam this year, even for like a relatively low price of like, you know, straight up for Kaminga and Chris Paul or, or if with no picks or, I mean, that, that might be. So, I mean, Toronto wouldn't be too interested. I don't know if Siakami wants to come there and resign financially. What does that look like as well? But just talking about from a talent perspective, I'm just not really sure like what this team is. Like, can you still count on Draymond Green? And you have all these players who are making so much, like Clay is another one, right? You don't know how much he's going to be making. I think you just, if I'm Golden State, I just kind of played this out. Like, yeah, maybe you get one, but like, they don't, it's not like they don't have enough depth. Like, that's not the problem, right? So I'm just... I just don't think that this team with the guys that they have right now, all right, they're not the Chicago Bulls in the summer of 2021, but they're like kind of that level of team. Like you're not, they are not the level of team right now that should be out more first round picks in the future. Especially not when it looks like that future may be less bright. Now it's possible that Kaminga and Moody and Pajemski and all that can, can move forward, but like. The idea that the Warriors will be straight up a mediocre team, not a terrible team, but a mediocre team in like 26, 27. Like, I, I think that Steph Curry is going to retire a Warrior unless he distinctly wants something different. And I haven't heard any indications either way on that. So, But trading future assets, unless you can put some ridiculous protections on it like they did with that Wizards pick, I think that's throwing good money that may end up looking even better after bad because what it's getting you is not that necessary yeah so i like like i said i don't think that clay thompson draymond green and stephen curry that clearly i think the ship has sailed of those guys playing well enough as a trio to be the foundation of a championship team but i still think that you need to particularly with draymond like you know what if draymond just makes it through the rest of the season and plays really well right i mean now he will be 34 at that point like this was supposed to be like the last year maybe the last hurrah anyway and it's choosing that they're uh they're not even going to have a hurrah in maybe their last attempt but i i think you just you go into the off season you got chris paul expiring or as a potential trade chip if you want you know you see what clay thompson's salary demands are you see whether draymond green's be able to keep it together for the last 41 games maybe you eke it out of the playoffs maybe you have a run like you did in 2021 down the end where it looks really good and you kind of find something and you give it like if they can like this group to me yeah you could say oh we got to make big changes we got to make big changes but like some of these guys are still going to be here <laughs> like like and if not you can't trade them at their present values at the moment and get back enough guys that like you're even build like a home court advantage team around Steph Curry right now uh who you know Steph Curry could be the best player on like that kind of a team I don't think he could be the best player on a championship team right now if he had enough around him so I think you just gotta like let's challenge these guys the rest of the year to be like hey you guys need to prove to me that this is worth supplementing you haven't done that right now you haven't 
proven to us that it's worth throwing a bunch of future assets in to make this yeah, team better. Nate, you know what it reminds me a lot of? A couple of years ago, you talked about this with the Lakers. Was that last year? Where yeah, stars, it was last year. Yeah, where I was the like, stars yeah. had to show the stars had to show enough to prove that it was worth giving up Russell Westbrook and everything else it would take to upgrade yeah. the team. Well, yeah, giving they, up assets with Westbrook. You mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they did, and it worked out. Yeah, they proved they're still playing that level. Like. It, you know, so I, I think that's uh, that. That would be my approach ultimately. It's like, yeah, all right, sure. I've like, let's see what's out there for Andrew Wiggins, sure. But like this idea of like, man, we got to just trade it two of these young guys or two first round picks and go get someone like Pascal Siakam. Like, okay, I mean, maybe if you're just like, hey, we owe it to Steph Curry to just be like semi competitive and like at least be you know a six seed, like around the six seed every year. Okay. You know, like that's, if that's your philosophy, I understand that. You just want to like have a, a team that's not going to embarrass themselves around Steph Curry for the next few years. Okay. Like, like I, I understand that that wouldn't be the way I would operate a team though. I don't think the Warriors also like the other part of the discussion that has been so weird to me is that they have the logical out of wanting to take the time to evaluate because so many players on their team have been better recently than they are right now. And Kevon Looney, Andrew Wiggins, most prominently among them, now that Clay Thompson has been closer to his standard over the last little bit. And so take that time, do it. And if you need to give up the assets after this year, when you already have a bad record, then cool. Like you, you, you can make that happen. And the other key force here, you know, we do these previews kind of starting roughly around a month ahead of the deadline is I think it's pretty unlikely that this next month gives the optimists the answer, gives them the ammunition to make their case before the devil because Chris Paul is going to be out. Maybe Draymond plays better. I, I, they can definitely be better than they've been. I, I would, I wouldn't suspect anything less, but are they going to go 10 and two in the, between now and the deadline? I doubt it. So just, let's just go through a couple names here. This has taken longer than I thought it would, but I think this <laughs> has been, uh, not the first time that's been said in the history of this podcast. DeJounte Murray's been talked about maybe as someone here. You, you know my thing. feeling. Yeah. You know my feeling, uh, on him playing next to another point guard, not loving that, you know, I, I just if they were to go after a guy like Alex Caruso or something like that's just that's just deck chairs at this point right like you go after Alex Caruso and pay the price required to get him to get into championship contention like it's really there's only a few players right you know if they could grab if they had the the goods to get Lowry marketing yeah I would do that uh Siakam I think is also like not a good fit with Draymond maybe they're just like we don't give a shit Siakam is going to be our second best player I never really I, Siakam is kind of like a hold the ball guy, but you know, they could use some isolation scoring. Uh, maybe he's not really been a great pick and roll player, but maybe he can kind of be, you know, he's got some passing skills. He's not a Draymond as a passer, but, and he's not bad defensively as a power forward. And maybe he can play with Draymond or, you know, Draymond falls off and he's the second guy. And then you just stuff Siakam and you know, some of these young role players that they have. And that's, that's your team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not crazy, but I, again, I'm not like loving the Siakam fit. I've generally been lower on him as well. Zach Levine would be insane. Just the, their backcourt defense would be awful. They're trying to, to cut salary. I mean, that's the other problem with Siakam is just the cost of re-signing him. And yeah, I mean, how many of these, you know, Chris Paul will come back at some point. How many of these other guys who aren't really like big time players are you just like so excited by that you know, are so much better than the guys you have? Again, like they're, they, they've got a bunch of like fifth through eighth men on this team. It's just that the, like, the guys who are supposed to be their second through fifth men uh, haven't performed. Exactly. And there's no, I, 
yeah, I mean, would a getting a Jeremy, trading Andrew Wiggins for Jeremy Grant or something, is that going to, yeah, I mean, maybe that's something you could consider, right? Like, what if you, would the Blazers do that for one first round pick? <sighs> It would be incredible if the Blazers, if that, if that trade happens, like think about a, like in yeah, July. But the, yeah. But the Blazers have the Warriors pick, right? Like you, you don't want a, the Warriors to be better. That's true. That's a great point. But yeah, maybe there would be, yeah, but, but I don't think, I mean, it really would be, all right, if you're going to say, we're going to replace Andrew Wiggins with like another, like with the guy that Andrew Wiggins used to be, <laughs> right? Like, you know, I think like Ananobi might've been interesting in that regard. He's off the market now. There's really no one else available. You know, Mikhail Bridges, like is there's no indication he's available. Would you go with the Godfather offer for him? Of I mean, they probably, if they threw at everything and Brooklyn were willing to deal, that could be a competitive offer. Bridges would be a great fit, but I just don't think it's happening. And I think that if he were available, there would be a better offer. Well, unless you bet against the thought betting against the Warriors draft picks was a good uh, good idea, which it very it really might end up being. Yeah. And maybe there's a feeling that like you know, they like Kaminga or Moody. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. All right, let's move on to... Well, actually, you know what? Yeah, let's do the Lakers here, and then we can uh, we can close it out for this pod. The Lakers are not in as desperate a situation as they were a year ago. There are times that it has felt that way. They've had some really rough stretches, though they've been better over the last little bit. They are currently 19 and 19, and once the D'Angelo Russell contract, once we heard the details, it seemed very likely that it was a placeholder of sorts, though, I mean, it could be a placeholder to just keep him on the team, because Russell, in a normal circumstance under the prior CBA, would have automatically had the right to veto any trade due to, due to some rules in terms of bird rights. And the new CBA, which in a move that I think is very good, allows players and teams to negotiate away that veto right. And Russell did that with the Lakers. So the Lakers, as we record this, they do have some outstanding obligations 
their their own first in either 24 or 25 will go to New Orleans. It is New Orleans' selection to do so after the 24 lottery. They'll, they'll make their decision. And then they owe a protected pick only that can only convey in 2027 to the Jazz. So they basically can trade they can trade one first if I'm counting it correctly. Are you do you agree with me on that, or is there a second I'm missing? Uh, no, they could trade either the tw- their 29 or their 30. And I did have this idea that maybe they could make a deal to acquire a pick in the 24 or 25 range that could then open up other picks that they could trade at a later time in a deal now i don't i think it's probably getting too esoteric to really get into like what exact teams but there are some teams that have like other teams picks like a a brooklyn or a houston for example that or maybe okc would be maybe another possible trade partner where and a lot of OKC's picks have protections on them, but let's say OKC, for example, has like three picks in the in the twenty four draft potentially. So let's say OKC would give up like a pick in twenty four and a pick in like twenty seven, although they don't own any like totally outright in twenty seven. But one of the two of the picks that OKC owns outright that they don't love for one Lakers pick in 29 or 30 that then would you say hey that now that the Stepien rule says you just have to have a first round pick in a given year and now you would be able to trade more of your own picks as well or uh if you wanted to go that route uh, yeah that, that's just something kind of to consider here um Austin Reeves is really the only other sweetener that they have they don't really have any big expiring contracts you would have to get someone to take on another year of D'Angelo Russell which you know D'Angelo Russell is like kind of a third guard making 17 million for next year would be fine maybe he starts for like your shitty team uh, as well he's not a starter on a winning team I think he's kind of proven that at this point um and then Hachimura still has two years after this either and that's the other potential matching salary that they have uh, going out but this I think the Lakers like LeBron James and Anthony Davis are still playing really well. Like this is, it's the other guys in theory. Like I, I do think maybe Davis and James are kind of an overrated offensive combo a little bit at this point, but they're still playing well enough that I think you do try to supplement. And there's nobody, I think in the West that like the Lakers would feel like, Oh, we can't beat these guys except for maybe Denver and Denver's not setting the world on fire right now. They're just a, a bad matchup for the Lakers. So yeah, I think they absolutely should be trying to supplement. The question is, what should they be prioritizing? I think that LeBron, in their best moments, is going to have a large hand in the offense. I don't think he needs to be your only ball handler. There have been some Jarvin Ham starting lineups that have gotten that, which may have led to part of the tension. That said, so so I don't think you need to prioritize another ball handler. Right? If, if, if it's a great player and that's one of the things they do well, by all means. But no, number one that player absolutely needs to be able to shoot. They need to be able that it doesn't necessarily need to be their signature skill, but they have to be able to do that because you, you have to have a credible shooting around that. I would say they should at least be able to defend their position, you know, unless they were so good at everything else that you could tolerate it. There are some, some wonderful players in the league. The other thing I want to mention as we're kind of going through the concept of the Lakers is that even though I think he's on a very team-friendly contract and I was stunned by the league that it happened, Austin Reeves should not be off the table in conversation. And if another team overvalues Austin Reeves, by all means, consider him and maybe you get something better for your team now and moving forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would consider trading Austin Reeves. I think he, maybe the biggest thing that's been realized about him is that he has maybe more defensive limitations than were shown last year. The Warriors weren't really able to take advantage of him. Memphis obviously wasn't either. And then Denver did, but Denver killed everybody, right? And so like Reeves is someone that uh, teams have been going after more. Like, you know, he's not a plus uh, on that end, you know, unless he's kind of, he'll, he's got good effort level, he'll chase around shooters. But he's not doing as much as an off-ball guy. Like, he'll take some charges every now and then. But And, and he's kind of, I would say, I don't want to say he's a difficult fit. But he doesn't do any one thing, like, incredibly well other than maybe draw fouls. And even that, it hasn't been quite as devastating. You know, the shooting, as he's tried to ramp up the volume, he hasn't been able to maintain that 40% type of three-point shooting. And he's not really, like, a primary pick-and-roll threat at the guard position either. Like, I thought... Part of what made the Lakers effective at times in last year's playoffs was that they had a number of guys who could attack off the dribble. And, you know, so Austin Reeves could go against someone like Steph Curry. That hasn't been the case as much this year with some of the lineups that they've been playing. And so when he's been guarded by better defenders, it's it's been harder. So he's not really like a great shooter except when he's wide open to play the two he's not really like a plus defender at the two he's not really a one he's not really going to defend the one either so he does really like there's this feeling that he's like their third best player and maybe he is but you also are like yeah this is like he's got some limitations you know like i don't know if this guy is like a clear starting guard even if you might say oh he's a better player than some guys you know like buddy healed for example right like is he he's austin Reeves better than buddy healed yeah i would say probably is but also buddy healed like fits into a pretty easy role in a way that Austin Reeves can do a lot of things, but he also like doesn't check every box you need at certain positions. So you kind of need other guys who have a lot of versatility around him. But the contract is good. You know, even if he is like a very high end third guard who close games for you, like that's a good player. You know, certainly with the contract he's on worth, you know, a first round pick plus of value, I would say. So but yeah, I, I mean, he, he's obviously like they need more, I would say, from that position. So the question then becomes of the players that we and I have a feeling would be available, who would you be trying to get that you really th- feel makes so much of a difference that you'd be willing to give up Reeves plus the one pick you can still trade? I mean, DeJounte Murray is probably the number one who's been talked about just because of clutch and his availability. And you know, Jake Fisher wrote a nice piece about him today. So does DeJounte Murray... Like Austin Reeves for Dejounte Murray, straight up, you you do that for sure, right? I would, yes. Well, well, and you know, for what and whatever matching salary, Hachimura sure. or, or Russell, um, yeah, I think you do that for sure, right? Even though I have some real concerns about Dejounte Murray, I would, yeah, that is still a deal I would do. I think so because he just is like they need a third shot generator on the perimeter, and like D'Angelo Russell isn't good enough, and particularly on defense. And, you know, DeJounte is not a great defender, but he's also not going to get attacked if he, and if he's your, he plays the one, then, you know, I think he could be an asset there as opposed to just being pretty ho-hum at the two. And, you know, they're not going to need him to do a lot of switching necessarily where, you know, his thin frame would be as much of a problem. So yeah, I would do that. Like Murray is just so much more confident getting to his shot, running a team. Like he's just a, so much more dynamic then like Reeves will have moments where he looks like he's as good as DeJounte Murray, but DeJounte Murray brings that mentality and that talent and that experience of running a team on a nightly basis, which I just don't think Reeves does. Now, what if it's Austin Reeves and a first for DeJounte Murray? Then your team's basically Murray, LeBron, Davis, and and DeAndre Russell's probably gone in that deal too, maybe. 
but to, you probably keep you probably well actually keep no reeves reeves is actually a pretty close match because murray's still only making like less than 20 million this year right so you actually wouldn't need much more other than reeves that's actually another advantage of trading for murray yeah his contract goes up next year but for this year he's only making 18 and it's not poison pilled or anything because he no. doesn't fit those those descriptions well, yeah the six months has now expired and, and he is tradable so um yeah, I don't hate the fit uh, of Murray there. I think it's actually, you know, he's not an all-star, but like, could he be a third best player next to LeBron and AD? Like, yeah, that's, you know, having him as your second best player next to Trey Young. No, obviously didn't work. That idea was quite flawed from the beginning. I don't know that Murray can show more than he has. Like, he still is going to struggle to be efficient. Like, I mean, their offense is not that good, right? Does DeJounte Murray shooting a bunch of mid-rangers and hopefully a few more threes and, you know, being a a decent passer for the one does that get you as the lakers into the top half of the league in offense which is where you probably need to be yeah i don't know could you also maybe get bogdan bogdanovich from atlanta at the same time like if you I would did, like i would like that a lot yeah because so then if, it gives you yeah if you give you a couple different things they need yeah if you did you know and they probably would still want to have I would say D'Angelo Russell and just have him be a backup. But so if you did Hachimura and Reeves and a first, maybe maybe a protected first, maybe not for Murray and Bogdan. I mean, does Atlanta really want to do that though? Like they, like Hachimura, maybe they would see him. He, he and uh, DeAndre Andrew have some similarities, but you know, would Atlanta see him as another guy to get in the forward mix? Like they already have Jalen Johnson at the four. Maybe they could play small a little bit more. Johnson at the five. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure. Like ultimately, the motivation for Atlanta to do kind of fires. I mean, unless they just think like Austin Reeves is so good, but I, you know, to me, he's not like a I great fit next to Trey. I also don't love Reeves as a fit next to Trey. Like yeah. it's better than Zach Levine, but yeah. Well, Zach Levine is the next guy. Well, that, I, yeah. Sorry. I will say, like, Pascal Siakam, I think that's a, a bad fit. It would be expensive, but, and also the matching salary gets a little bit tough because his specific game just doesn't make sense to me with LeBron and AD. Yeah. Now, Zach Levine's scoring game, like, I actually, another clutch client, obviously, but don't mind the fit of his game next to LeBron and AD too much. Yeah, the, the best case scenario is actually pretty good. It's just that anything less than that, it becomes a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a massive swing. That's like, is this, you're going to fire your last bullet on Zach Levine? You could also say you're going to fire your last bullet on DeJounte Murray. I think that the Zach Levine move has higher upside than the DeJounte Murray move. Would you agree with that? On the idea that Levine has been at times better than DeJounte yeah, Murray? Like he shoots, he shoots, hopefully they can get him to get up more threes, right? Like if he wants to just shoot mid-rangers all the time, that's not great. You know, you, Zach Levine I, has played, yeah, yeah. I, I worry that that Zach Levine is just gone. He's not that old, though. I, I mean, we saw it. We saw that guy in the play-in against Toronto last year. I guess that's true. Right? I, I mean, and I don't... He hasn't had any injuries since then. He obviously was checked out at the start of this year. And I think for the Lakers, you, you might say, well, at least if you're really trying to go for it with LeBron and AD now, you're... You don't really care as much about how bad his contract is in the back end unless you note that you're the Lakers and your salary cap space goes further than other teams. But if you're really trying to maximize Brown LeBron, like I do think that Zach Levine, yeah, he's he's sucked by his standards this year. I'd like him to take more threes. He's not very great defensively, but I think they, they at least have Anthony Davis behind him, so they're better situated to deal with that. Now, could you pry away Alex Caruso in that deal? Shit, I would even want to have Javon Carter in that deal if I could. Like that, he might be useful to them. Um, and then 
So are like, would you, let's say you could get off of say Gabe Vincent or something, right? Like that's not looking like great salary at the moment. So, and you would just give up Reeves. The Bulls seem like they would value Reeves more than that 2029 first. I think so. You think you would do it? Oh, as the Lakers? I wouldn't do it. I think Levine might be, he's on the short list of the worst contracts in the league. Yeah, but you're not going to get him and get paid to take him. Like that's just not what's going to happen. He's still a good player who can help you. Like if you could, you, if you do, if you could get Levine and Caruso, then you get pretty close to the pin. I, I think I, I in mean, that I case, think that's, I think that's a very good deal for the Lakers. I think that's, I think then you get, you have two players who could potentially be in your closing five. You also fill an important niche that you don't have to rely as much on Cam Reddish, but you'd still have Cam Reddish. So yeah, I, I think at that point I would do it as the, as the Lakers. Anyone else that's like real sexy to you. I, I and mean, Jeremy Grants is another one I would say. Like, I do think he's shooting it well enough to actually play the three at this point. We know who the potential matching salary is going out. Portland, probably not interested in Reeves. More interested in your 29 first. Would it be a protected 29 first for Jeremy Grant? What do you think? Mm, I mean, that'd be, as the Blazers, if you could potentially, I mean, you assume Russell's going to opt in, but that's not definite. Yeah. It's just so tough to be like, man, this is the last bullet that we had to fire. Are we going to fire it on this guy? I mean, yeah. And like, and like, if you could get Lowry Markin, and even though he's kind of a weird fit, I would do that. But he's, he's a better player than, that's not the best offer they're going to get. I I don't think I would do that for Jeremy Grant as the Lakers. I mean, there's some who might say you dangle the either Reeves or that pick and you just take back and or that pick and you take back the best players that you can get that mm-hmm. would actually help you uh, i mean I, I certainly would understand that thinking but yeah you feel like there's this opportunity cost but like yeah you know lebron's gonna turn 40 next year like, you can't keep this up we've been saying that for a while at this point but like i i still think he's playing well enough that you know you're a team that can possibly make it to the west finals at least and i don't think it's a situation where you like quote unquote owe it to him but it is you don't know how long the window is and even though anthony davis is inked for a lot longer he's under yeah. contract through 27 huh? i mean after. it's also worth noting that lebron james has a player option for this option, exactly so. and so so there is that question of like and who knows what he wants we haven't heard the the brawny talk too much recently yeah I, I do think it's pretty clear it seems like that he wants to be in la but I mean, he does, again, he has a player option. I think the Lakers, it's, you know, it's good business to still have LeBron James on your team for, uh, as he gets into the twilight of his career. Any other names that you would be targeting with either that first or Reeves? You brought up Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think he would be a really notably good fit because he can handle the ball a little bit, but he's also a really good yeah. shooter. I mean, Boyan Bogdanovich would be good there too. Sure. Well, how are they we've fixed talk, for we've seconds? We talked about that for what three years in a row. Yeah. How are they fixed for seconds? By the way, we should get that out there. They owe about half of their remaining ones, and they have they have other they have the Clippers in twenty four and twenty five, but those aren't looking particularly juicy right now. Yeah, but you could like so they've got like they could do like a package of like four seconds or something to get Boyan Bogdanovich potentially. Um, you know, so they could they could try to just go that more marginal upgrade route. Would Tyus Jones be a fit there? No, I don't love it. But the thing that could shift it a little bit is if there's been some reporting that he wants to be a starter. Like if he's amenable to re-signing, and so it's not just a rental. Yeah, maybe. But I don't love his fit. No, I don't either. It just as a small guard. 
Yeah, I mean, the, you know, there's a few of these other guys who could like, okay, could we get an upgrade on Torian Prince or something like that? Like, is that getting you there? Are you one of the people who believes that, hey, LeBron and AD shoot 60% every game, rest of team is terrible, so just get guys who actually make those shots? Are they interested in Kelly Olenek to play backup center and play next to AD a little bit? Those sorts of, that level of player. You know, your, your Sadiq Bays. I, I wouldn't really like Bay for them very much. He basically is the same as Prince, <laughs> it seems like. Would they want to get like Landry Shamit to add some shooting? Yeah. So, so I mean, I think there's, maybe there's a feeling that they're just, if there isn't the right deal. I'll, let's close on this though. Are they taking a risk by holding on to Austin Reeves? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I, I think there's, yeah, I mean, he's had, he has some big moments for sure, but I think it's very likely that we view last off season as his kind of high watermark as a player. Like I just, I don't see a future all-star there and his like, he's a good player for them. Sure. But also like, doesn't really seem to be like a great fit in their starting lineup. And just like, if he was really that good, like what we've seen from him this year is not that great. Do you think that he's going to like blossom into an all-star now? beyond that like no i i I don't see how that's supposed to happen it part of me is a little bit frustrated that it at at least for right now it does seem like a little bit of a vindication for all the teams that didn't give him the qualifying the the offer sheet that we thought they deserved um but even then like austin reeves is making 12 and a half 13 million over the next few years like that's still it's still a good value contract even with the player he's been this year yeah but i think there are teams who still think of him as having substantial upside beyond that where i'm sort of like okay you know are we talking about the 15th to 20th best player at his position which is what exactly shooting guard point guard on i that think contract? Of him more yeah. as a two than a one personally but yeah but, but again you kind of yeah you have these weird fit issues right like i do think Dejounte murray who i would say is like you know around the 15th best point guard of basketball is a substantially better player than austin reeves and not even that much older frankly especially with i mean i'm not all the way to to the point where i think Dejounte murray's shooting is real but like he's cleaned up some of his weaknesses which is very encouraging all right, I think we've exhausted these two really interesting Pacific Division teams, but there's so much to get to with them because there's so much to talk about them, and I, I think it was really good to talk through where we see both these teams and, and how we see their assets and uh, where we see them and what they should be doing uh, in well, light and, of where we see them. And another part of this story is that I think we spent more time talking about the status quo as an option, which I think for both teams it should be. I would say no with the Lakers. I I would say no. I Golden State, yes. Uh, Lakers, I would so say you, no. As the Lakers, like you're you're basically you're putting that first round pick and or Austin Reeves on the table almost no matter what, and you're taking the getting the best thing you can for it. Well, obviously, the players we'd have to be getting back would be someone that I think is way better to, than Austin Reeves to help right, us right but I'm now, saying, right? Like, you're in, it, it is in your in your mind it is more likely that you can find that player find that return than not yeah i think i think that's probably true and maybe we just don't know what the prices are going to be right if it's just like all right jeremy grant no we want two first round picks for him like yeah no I, like you got to play trade 29 and reeves for jeremy grant no we'll hold on to that and just see what happens in the summer but yeah and or we'll try to make a lower level move for your boy and bogdanovich or someone who you can get with some seconds all right we are done here and done with this week i exhort you again to subscribe to dunk down prime on this free pod we do a 
one or two of those per week but dunked on prime is five days a week you get every single hollinger and duncan as well you get some writing from seth partnow you get five days a week of dan felbin's daily dunks in which he gives his analysis on the key stories of the day in either audio or email form you get access to our written chats you get access to our discord where you can connect with some big time fellow hoops nerds as well so i hope you will consider subscribing to our special sale uh the lowest price that we will offer for a one-year membership and for those of you who are in more difficult financial straits we also have discounted memberships for you severely discounted in fact more information on that in my pinned tweet at nate duncan nba thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you all soon at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365 21 plus only must be present in virginia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply